Hello, it's the October DCM podcast. My name is Tom Linnae and this month on the DCM podcast, I'm joined by two guests. It's exciting. Firstly, Liz Bales, who is Chief Executive of the British Association for Screen Entertainment, or BASE, and also the Industry Trust too. Hi, Liz, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very excited to be here. That is the correct response. Thank you for joining me. Liz is going to talk us through some of the research that BASE have recently conducted, and helping me ask the right questions is DCM's Research and Insight Manager, Mike Tull. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Probably less excited than Liz, because I'm contractually obliged to be here, but, you know, it's fine. And Mike sees me every, <laughs> almost every day, uh, not weekends. No. Before we get into my chat with Liz and Mike, I'd like to give an update on what's happening on the big screen, and No Time to Die has now been in cinemas for three weeks. Have you seen it, Liz? Of course. Okay, we'll come on to that. In that time, it has already delivered 5.8 million DCM admissions, and it's well on the way to a total north of 7 million. It could get up towards 8 million, which would make it one of the biggest films of the last decade. One of the, Definitely one of the biggest films since I've been at DCM, which, if you've been listening to this podcast, is quite a while. We've also had the first wave of Film Monster data on the title. That's been in field since it, re- since it opened. Mike, can you tell us a little bit about the findings? Yeah, so the film monitor research is uh, designed to help us understand the kind of audience profile of uh, the films that come out in cinemas. Um, and so we've had this first wave looking at the kind of opening week of uh, No Time to Die's audience. And it's actually looking you know, relatively similar to what we saw with Spectre. There's been a slight decline in terms of the share of the older audience so far in this opening week, but that's probably not too surprising given we'd expect older audiences to go later in the run anyway. But the profile is generally looking not too dissimilar to what we saw with Spectre. So is definitely kind of drawing out a broad audience with a slightly younger and ABC One skew as you'd expect for a James Bond title as well. And we like to talk about TVRs when it comes to film audience. We've converted some of these admissions figures into TVRs, haven't we? Yeah, so based on it now being about circa 7 million industry admissions uh, to date, that means it's delivered, based on its current film profile, uh, 16, 16, 34 adults TVRs and 20 ABC One men TVRs as well. So it's been incredibly successful for reaching those two audiences. There's some big numbers. Anything over double figures gets me excited. (laughs) So that's good. And it's not just Bond getting people in cinemas either. Venom Let There Be Carnage has already delivered over 800,000 admissions on the DHIM estate. Have you seen Venom Let There Be Carnage, Liz? It's on the list. <laughs> is it good? Okay. And it looks set for a total close to 2 million, which is very much like the first Venom film. In cinemas over the next month, we've got Marvel's Eternals, King Richard featuring uh, Will Smith as Richard Williams, Venus and Serena's dad, in a performance that's being talked up as a major Oscar contender. We'd like to see Will Smith win an Oscar, wouldn't we? Yes. Indeed. Yep. There's also Ridley Scott's House of Gucci, his second film in two months. He's 83. Ridley, just put your feet up. You've earned (laughs) it. And Disney Animation Encanto. We've also had the London Film Festival over the last month. Uh, What was your highlight of the festival, Mike? Uh, I'd say probably the best film I saw was probably Flea, the animated documentary. Um, I thought it was yeah, beautifully done and a, and a really interesting story. I can see that being a big success come awards season. And the, I think the other, my other favourite film to watch was probably Benedetta, which is just a, a wild, wild ride. The saucy nun one. The saucy 17th century lesbian nun movie, yes. Yeah. It lived up to expectations. The biggest film that probably played was probably Belfast, wasn't it? Kenneth Branagh's semi-autobiographical tale of growing up in Belfast and his family making the difficult decision to move from Belfast to London. You saw this and you were quite taken with it, weren't you, Mike? Yeah, I thought it was really charming. It's just, yeah, it's a complete crowd pleaser in terms of just yeah, drawing you into this story. The lead boy is yeah, in 
just a great actor and just really kind of draws you in into the story. The kind of wider cast, you obviously know you're going to get a great performances from Kieran Hines and Judy Dench and Katriana Balfe is great in the lead role as kind of Kenneth Branagh's mum essentially as well. So it's a really great kind of ensemble piece and yeah, great music, as we discussed, great music score as well and use of various hits from the, the kind of 60s and 70s throughout the film. So it's a real great um, crowd pleaser. Mainly by Van Morrison. So Mainly. if you're a Van Morrison fan, Belfast is the film for you. And it's in cinemas on February 25th and it's currently the favourite for the Best Picture Oscar. And let's be honest, it's probably going to win major awards at the BAFTAs, isn't it? So no time to die, Liz. What were your thoughts? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was one of those titles. I went with the whole family and that span of age between husbands, younger children, boys and girls, everyone walked out with it taking pride of place in terms of up there with their best films. So I thought that that was phenomenal. It did everything that a Bond should do. Um, And just that energy, there was actually, people had dressed up for it. And that really bringing cinema back, making it an event occasion, really demonstrating why cinema will bounce back because it is so different from consuming in the home. It is really getting out there, enjoying yourself, shared experience, and it just it doesn't disappoint. Yeah, it didn't disappoint, did it? It did everything you wanted it to. And even at 163 minutes, I didn't feel like it dragged. Didn't even notice the time. Didn't notice it. Could have stayed longer and had another martini, but it was perfect. Which cinema did you go to serving you martinis? I indulged. I haven't been out very much. Okay. And uh, yeah, for a first, I went to the Selfridges Cinema. Oh, wow. And it was sensational as an experience. Wow, that's exciting. I have to check that one out. Have you seen anything else at the cinema recently, Liz? I have seen uh, a few. So the one that got me back out into cinema uh, post the lockdown was The Father. And I think that still stays with me. That's a remarkable film. And again, back to the family, we've been out for the Marvel titles. So been out for Black Widow. And a few that are really on the agenda. We're going to see Dune later today, which I'm very excited today. What about. A treat. Very big treat for a Thursday afternoon. So really excited. That, that pipeline of content, uh, the way that you've just shared it, there is so much coming so thick and fast. Really being able to plan your different viewing experiences with different you know parts of your group whether you're going with friends or family there is definitely so much out there to see so it's an incredibly exciting time for cinema and it's exciting for cinema at the moment but that means it's going to be exciting down the line indeed for home end as well doesn't it Which indeed we'll, i'm sure we'll talk about so i've spoken enough already liz tell us a little bit about base what they do and your role Okay, so BASE is the association that is supporting transactional consumption of film and TV. So we are part of the extended film family. We uh, have been around for quite a long time, so 40-odd years we've been working as a trade association. That just kind of goes to the, the length of time where consumers have had that choice about being able to see films in the cinema or buy them and own them for their home viewing. The role that we play uh, at BASE is very much about growing audience engagement We do a huge amount of work in terms of understanding who the audience is, what motivates them and what are the barriers for them to be continuing to engage. We work across a range of formats. So for us in home entertainment, we've got disc that has been a kind of a stalwart for us. We've then got digital and of course now the real powerhouse is subscription services. So there is a real fragmentation of what consumers are doing. So a real need for us to understand the behaviours, understand what drives a consumer into cinema and then what drives 
drives them to consume, you know, in, in later stages of a film's life. So we do that. We work with a lot of uh, film publishers and our board is very representative. So you've got the studios, the indies, you're looking at film content, TV content, a real mix. But we also work a lot with the platforms. So where we've really been focused on trying to grow audiences, particularly grow audiences in digital, we work really closely with a, a range of platforms and a range of other retailers. And our partners would be people like the Entertainment Retailers Association. We work very closely with them as a partner organisation. But through the work that we do at the Trust, you know, we have a real deep, rich association with the UK Cinema Association, with the FDA. And of course, we work with the likes of yourself, putting messages into cinema, encouraging audiences to go to the cinema rather than to pirate. So there's a lot of crossover. It's a big family. I think a lot of the, the, the experiences we've had coming out of the pandemic are really about everyone recognising that the family of film is actually quite broad. There are such a rich range of stakeholders that are all part of us. We're all part of the same engine. We all need to work together. And so we're kind of very excited that now cinema is finally back. We will get that pipeline of fresh content. And when I get someone on the podcast who's at the top of their industry, I always like to find out how they got there. What's your background in the industry? So my background, I um, I don't know if I feel comfortable saying it, but I'm well into my third decade now in the industry, which is definitely putting me in, in that research demographic that no one actually wants to get to. <laughs> uh, my background is law. I kind of started out uh, as a commercial lawyer. I worked for one of the main film distributors, uh, leading their acquisition team and managing both the acquisition of film and the the distribution of film and I think that really has brought me to to where I am now because I think being a lawyer is all about it's all about problem solving it's taking an issue and looking at how you can get around that and I think what we do now in the trade association is really looking at common problems and shared solutions and taking an example like again the pandemic where you've got something that has really brought someone together. Everyone has got an issue that they can't solve on their own. They have to work collaboratively. And so that's the key thing that I think I bring to the role, just that real passion about finding solutions to the problems that can't be solved by one entity alone. So BASE has recently conducted some research. Can you give us an overview of the research and why you conducted it? We've been looking for a long time at changing behaviours. Our part of the film family has gone through a significant uh, line of change. We've been changing constantly for really the last 15 years. When we think about change in cinema, you've had a real consistent pipeline of technology that enhances the consumer experience. On the home entertainment side, our technology journey is often far more about reinvention and rebirth. If you think about we've converted people from VHS into DVD, and DVD was one of the most successful consumer product launches globally ever. We've then tried to migrate people through into Blu-ray, into 4K, and, and now it's all about digital ownership or VOD and premium VOD. There is just so much going on for the consumer to try and understand. And so a key part for us, as we've had this delay in in fantastic fresh content coming through we really want to understand where are the consumers at the moment what is it that is going to drive them back what is the bounce back for them to engage in either physical formats now that stores are open and there is a more relaxed environment in stores and what will drive them to continue to purchase for digital ownership and other formats and so 
For us, it's all about the consumer, the consumer at the heart. And we know that the vast majority of consumers in our part of the film family are really motivated by cinema. Their journey starts with cinema. The lion's share of our audience are picking up a title that they saw in cinema and they loved the experience in cinema, or they had the knowledge of it being in cinema, but they missed it. So they then come back to it. So for us, it's really understanding how we get people back into cinema, how we then get people to kind of continue to engage in in home entertainment formats. So do you find then that cinema is a requirement for a a film to be really successful on home end? Without doubt. That the power that the box office brings, it creates cultural moments. The visibility that a title really only gets genuinely from cinema, that will carry through a content life. Even to the extent that when we're forecasting the potential range for content, it's based on the box office. And so that's been a real challenge for us where we've had content that has jumped into transactional home entertainment that hasn't had a box office. No one's really quite sure what it's going to do. So again, doing the research to understand the consumer behaviour and then fusing that with what we know about the market trends, that's been incredibly helpful. But we definitely see that the power of the box office will generate the long-term relationship with IP. If I think about some of the real strengths last year, so without fresh content, a lot of engagement was on catalogue content. And if I think about things like box sets, and I know we're going to come on and talk about fandom and and fans in, in a moment, but some of the biggest titles that we had are things like the Harry Potter franchise. And and that, as a legacy, that has been around. It must be at least 10 years since the last Harry Potter film was released. And so the fact that that is still selling constantly, it is constant in the chart, it's regular for consumers. So it all starts with the box office. And I think to have it back and to just see that energy, not just with Bond, but now with Venom and everything that's going to follow, that gives us a huge amount of optimism for, for, for how we're going to be able to remain fresh and vibrant as a category going forward. What were you most surprised about with the findings? Surprise is quite an interesting one because I think the behaviour doesn't change as much as we think it might. All the commentary around the death of cinema, I think that's a media story. I don't think that's a reality. And so the stats that we had, you know, were were phenomenal. Something like uh, 75% plus of the UK population are watching films at home weekly. One in four are watching them daily. We know that there's an insatiable appetite for content and and that content is film-led, but it's also really being driven by the subscription services and just the array of high-end TV that is is feeding that content consumption. So the things that we we loved about the research and that we think are really helping shape where we go, uh, around 80% of consumers expect their engagement in transactional home entertainment to either grow or stay at the same level going into next year. Their engagement is very much driven by franchises. We've seen that the vast majority of UK consumers identify as being affiliated to at least one franchise. And knowing that those franchises are are going to be live in cinema going forward, that again gives us a real base that which we know that we can carry their engagement and their passion through past Christmas right through across next year. It's interesting because I was going to ask you actually the challenge of home, I guess these days with the volume of content that's now available to people in the home, whether the power of like people's desire to still have that kind of transactional element of maybe re-watching things they watch in the cinema when there's so much choice now of just volumes of things on the various streaming platforms and the challenge of that and I guess the franchise element is a kind of way into people still wanting to be part of that and, and carry that on but I wonder whether there was just any insight around 
the challenging marketplace because there's so much more to watch at home do people still want to go back and watch the same things they've watched before when there's a million things to watch across the three four platforms you might have in your household i think that's a fascinating point and and there is definitely a degree of the unknown that's out there and that is again why we're doing the research to try and understand what will bounce back what we'll lose what we'll gain and i think it, uh, what we did see in the data was around 40 percent of the audience we were looking at want to own they want that opportunity to kind of have in their collection to hold, and that goes again to the franchise element. What was fascinating about that is that it was a greater degree of younger audiences. So the audiences we associate with being uh, heavily engaged with streaming and the kind of almost the disposable economy, we weren't seeing that. In the 16 to 24, there was a big spike in people saying they wanted to own that content. And that, again, translates to what we've seen in the numbers. I think in terms of being in that environment where you're stuck at home, people did really invest in high-end box set. So having the 4K edition of their favourite franchise, even though they probably already had it on DVD, they've probably got it on Sky Store already as a digital download so they can watch it on multiple devices. But you still saw people buying into that. And I think that that is a real legacy that film has a real place in people's hearts. And if there are a few things that they're collecting to surround themselves with, film is definitely part of that. I guess it's not a dissimilar story to what the music industry's had with vinyl. I guess that move towards people, if you love the product, you want it in its highest standard and possible. And that sort of collectible element to it as well. It's quite interesting that there's parallels there with um, what's been happening in that industry, which is obviously a bit more advanced in terms of the shift to streaming and stuff and all moving away from physical purchase. And it's just interesting parallels there that when, it, when something's a passion point, you really want to own the product and ensure that you've got a copy of it in its best format as well. Yeah, and I think it's something there that goes to it being more memorable when you when you own it. And I think we've all been there. You know, you, we're watching so much stuff on TV and someone will say to you, what are you watching? And we have that kind of blank moment that we can't actually remember what we watched five episodes of the night before because we're just so used to chunking through it. And I think that when it comes to the franchises, it stands out and you have a real fandom but that is only a part of the industry and we don't want that to kind of dominate everything. There are just so many amazing films, particularly amazing British films that are coming through. And one of the key challenges for us is how do you create that oxygen and that awareness for those titles so that that fertile ground for where everyone is learning their skills, developing what is a mid-range or a low-budget film in its first run, that cast, that crew, they're going to go on to bigger, better things. And so that's often the bit that it kind of, it's the hidden star that doesn't get enough oxygen, both at cinema and at home entertainment. And that is something that in the data, we're really trying to understand how do we make that more visible? How do we ensure that audiences see it and experience it? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's one of the themes that came through from the movie presentation yesterday, actually saying like, obviously these big tentpole blockbusters like uh, Bond film bring back large swathes of a broad audience to cinema, but also there's a long tail of cinema goers and film in cinemas that are crucial to bringing back different elements of that cinema audience to kind of ensure that we're bringing the breadth of people back, not just the same people and increasing their frequency, ensuring that actually we're catering to a, a large audience. And so I think it's interesting. And obviously the talking about the film festival earlier, you know, the breadth of film we have coming up in terms of the quality of content, you know, these films won't do the numbers that some of these big blockbusters are doing, but the quality of the offering will bring back individuals to the cinema and ensure that the breadth of people are coming back and therefore engaging down the line in the, in the kind of transactional nature of those films as well. Yeah, and I, I loved the presentation from Massive. 
which was really looking at young audiences and how do you get young audiences into cinema to watch a richer range of film. When you look at what younger audiences are consuming on subscription services, they are engaged in, in, in trying things. The, the, the range of things that they'll get involved in is quite broad. So how do we get them out of the home into the cinema for a shared experience to make sure that they are not just the franchise children, they are actually experience that rich vein of content that is culturally relevant to them. So I will just fill in a minor gap here in that Mike said yesterday, and that refers to the UK Cinema Association's annual conference, which took place over the last two days at the Cineworld O2 in Greenwich. Uh, It was two days of presentations about the current state of the film and cinema industry. And interestingly, the keynote was by Ben Roberts, chief executive of the BFI. And one of the points that he made was that as we hopefully move out of the pandemic one of the most important things that's been highlighted is the fact that we really need a strong British film industry uh, because when the pipeline of content from Hollywood um, was shut off briefly other territories which have strong local film industries really managed to survive because they were able to show their own films and that's the case in home end as well isn't it? Very much so. I think we also, uh, part of the work that we do is uh, also working with the Digital Entertainment Group International. And that really is, it, it's an organisation that has a global footprint. And we have that because the supply line is increasingly global. The studios have always had a global footprint, but for digital services, for subscription and for digital, that is increasingly global in nature. So how do we kind of take the best practice and the learnings to ensure that we're all growing our audiences and we don't all have to start from scratch with the work that we're doing. But in that work, we can see some really powerful examples of how local content was driving the rebirth, both of cinema, but also really keeping alive catalogue engagement. We did some work uh, in Germany in the mid part, the early part of this year. We ran a huge promotion for the German market. It was the first digital promotion they'd run. And they were really clear that the mandate for that, they wanted to have 50% local content versus studio and international content. And you saw that a large part of the of the consumption so in terms of revenue local content drove that and when we compare that to equivalent promotions we've run in the UK you don't see that there may be one or two titles but the vast majority of the engagement from consumers is in the international titles the ones with the biggest box office so I think it's incredibly important that we find ways to broaden that engagement and, and not least There's a lot of news that's that's been out recently. It's very exciting news just about the scaling up of production facilities in the UK. We are definitely, you know, on track to be the second production hub. You can see that with Sunrise Studios, with the investment from Sky, from Disney, from Warner, wherever you look, there is investment in production. So that pipeline of content, a lot of that you'd hope will have an increasingly local vein. It will have local touch points all over it. And so ensuring that we have an audience that is pulling that and embracing that, I think that's key. That's almost kind of like the yin and yang of what we need to do. And it's there. You can see it with some breakaway titles. But I think that that is a huge opportunity to expand people's drive to actually want to get into and see local titles. Belfast is a really great example. There are a lot of young people, the troubles are kind of just just that point in history that they they can't touch it but they should know all about it and so you'd hope that titles like that with that rich cast are going to be real ones that, that land effectively. So let's talk specifically about some numbers. The research investigated what the most popular film franchises were. Can you give us some, because we haven't seen the full research yet, so can you give us some of the findings? I think I could challenge you to guess 
the leading franchises. So is there some recency bias in this? I'm guessing Bond <laughs> comes out mm-hmm. top. It actually doesn't come out top. Okay. No, but that's maybe because Bond actually hadn't been released at the time we did the research. Top of the top of the Marvel. pack was Marvel. Well okay, done. It good. was Marvel. And and I guess probably no no surprise Harry Potter is up there as well. The the legacy of that again, global business. Other things that come through, Star Wars definitely comes through, Pixar comes through, you know, um, and DC will increasingly come through and it's kind of it's it's linked to the films, isn't it, and to what is actually happening in the market. But I think that the franchises were the main reason for getting people back into cinema for a part of the audience not all of the audience just a part of the audience i mean that's lucky as well because i mentioned marvel's eternals coming out on november 5th and then you've got spider-man no way home 17th of december next year's a massive year for the marvel cinematic universe as well isn't it mike yeah we've got uh, doctor strange and the multiverse of madness coming out we have thor love and thunder and black panther wakanda forever as well so an incredibly like three huge marvel titles of very established characters as well whereas i guess this year has been about establishing new characters in the mcu next year's returning to these established characters branching them out into interesting directions so i think there'll be three huge releases next year just on those numbers because i know you asked me for the numbers 86%, which is phenomenal, 86% of the of the research base identified with at least one franchise and claimed that they were a fan. And 90% of those said that they talked regularly to friends and family about that franchise. And word of mouth was the real draw. Word of mouth as one thing in terms of getting people back to cinema. And the other part that was incredibly important is about trailers and about awareness. And I think it'd be great to just come on to that because without cinema and that was again a theme of the UKCA getting that awareness for consumers about what content is coming what is out now that's something that I think everyone's going to have to work quite hard on at least for the next six months till we get back in that habit of seeing trailers in cinema to kind of breed our our knowledge of what's going to come next. And that's a very important point relating to Bond as well isn't it because I think obviously the success of Bond and as I touched on earlier it has been a huge success but it's been hugely important in getting people in to see a trailer reel because when cinemas are shut people just aren't aware of what films are coming out so they see Bond and then they see the cinemas able to show them four or five trailers and for things like Dune and Eternals and that's a hugely important part of the whole movie going and movie purchasing ecosystem isn't it? In the research we've just done over 85% of people said the trailer having access to the trailer having seen the trailer is what will pull them back and so it's not quite the same if you're watching that trailer on YouTube. Clearly, digital is an incredibly important channel, but having access to the power that you get from the screen, I think the more that you've got consumers back in that environment to then actually pull them again. We do a lot of work in terms of churn. And again, at the UKCA, there was some great statistics. There was a presentation from, I think it was the Showtime's presentation, that looked at your relationship between new consumers, new new audience, lapsed audience, and your regular audience. So we've always had this reality that we've got consumers that drop out of going to the cinema or drop out of home entertainment, and fresh ones come in. And I think the trick that we're all trying to get to is how we really build that continuity how we build the frequency of consumers and that then is about habit and so we know from the home end side if you have someone that is new to the category 
the speed with which you can get them to have a second transaction, that will really define how important they become as a customer for you going forward. And if you get that next transaction within the next month, they really go on, statistically, they will go on to be your medium to heavy users. And I think that's the trick that we need to have for cinema. It's not just coming out for Bond, it's seeing Bond and then getting back very quickly. We saw the top line figures, didn't we, Mike? Is, is there anything that leapt out to you? I think it's interesting, you know, when we talk about the kind of movie franchises and looking at you know, the power of those to draw people back in. And obviously, f- from our perspective, when we're talking to brands about advertising, the fact that you've got these incredibly established franchises that draw in very passionate audiences, it's a, a real benefit because you've got then you then have an audience in the cinema of people who are incredibly excited in a great mindset, which from an advertising perspective means they're far more open um, to advertising messages. And we know that the content we can show is it can be very persuasive. So from a advertiser's perspective having that passionate audience there is is a boom because you don't tend to get that in a lot of other media spaces and then more broadly i think it's interesting that the movie franchises that still resonate with people as, to a point that liz mentioned earlier is that you know all of these have been built yes yeah, some of them are uh, originated in books or comic books uh, but actually you know these movie franchises are built from movies that have entered into cinema first you know that that establishment of seeing a film in the cinema it being this big global theatrical event has then spawned these big franchises that can, and that build and build and still people are passionate about decades on I think obviously with the changing ecosystem of film and a lot of the streaming platforms launching their own original films, I think it's an interesting space to see if any of those streaming platforms, because I, I can't think off the top of my head whether any of them have been able to launch anything yet that looks like it would be a, like a franchisable type of film. Cinema is still the place to launch those new original titles to really give global reach and to, and to potentially create new franchises. You know, that, that cinema experience first was incredibly key to creating something that is long-lasting and powerful for consumers. Yeah, I think I would tend to agree with that. I think consumers have different relationships with streaming platforms and, and cinema. And it's really interesting that as we've then, you know, the, one of the big changes for us has been premium VOD and having earlier release content available in the home. And there's been a lot of debate about what will, what will that do to consumption in cinema. And I think history kind of almost has written it already that generally speaking, these new formats will come and they will find their place in the ecosystem, but they won't replace cinema because cinema does have that energy. And when we kind of, there's some data that we were looking at that suggests we were asking people if something was available in cinema and on premium VOD at the same time, what would you rather do? And it's actually quite a small proportion of the audience that say they will go for PVOD and they will watch at home. That's slightly different in the US. There's a bigger cohort of the audience that say, I'm quite happy with PVOD, I'm going to stay at home. But in the UK, you've got the lion's share of the audience is still saying, I'll go to cinema and I'll consume then in in, in different ways at different times. And I think that it will be interesting to see how that journey evolves. But I think the key point from us that we see at the data, the reason why people want to talk about cinema and go back to cinema isn't actually about the distribution strategy and the windowing. It's about the experience and the quality of the title. So you will still have those those moments that people come out for. So being engaged in a franchise is critical because it will pull you back. One of the other things that we haven't really touched on yet is also is the role that piracy plays. And where piracy has been dormant in terms of its impact on cinema, clearly because cinema hasn't been there, it's not been dormant in other areas. And and, and you've got consumers, your biggest audience, your most valuable audience, they are 
they are, they're obsessed. They're very, very driven. And we've seen it consistently over the years. That is also the audience that over-index in piracy. They over-index in subscription. They are the first audience to come back. But we know that as the titles flow and where there are a significant range of titles that people will want to see, they will start to make those choices again and they will elect to see some films through piracy versus going to the cinema. That will also, we believe, from the data that we've seen, be challenged by just the sheer number of subscription services. So ultimately, any any family, any individual, you've only got so much cash that you want to, you have available, disposable to spend on your on your film and your entertainment activities. And where you've got an increasing number of walled gardens that you have to be a subscriber to X or to Y to get content, we think that that is, it creates the ground that will fuel the next wave of piracy because piracy is actually again it's about technology and innovation it's about making sure that the consumer can have access to what they want on the terms that they want it and so that's something that's quite critical for us to be monitoring that and to make sure that consumers see the value of the cinema experience they see the value of actually engaging with things legally and again when you've got a close affiliation to a franchise you feel very passionately about it. You do value it. You do want to nurture it. Again, we saw a key reason for people going back to cinema in the data is because they want to support the industry. They've missed it. They want it to be vibrant. And so it's all part of it. I wouldn't say it's a fragile ecosystem, but it's all intertwined in terms of making sure that consumers get the right messages and the right prompts and feel valued as an audience when they do go to the cinema and when they do engage in legal content. It's interesting. It's one of the things we looked at this summer with Black Widow, we spoke to some cinema goers and actually, you know, the vast majority of, I think it's 85% of cinema goers who had Disney Plus at home and in theory could have paid to watch it at home. So obviously actively, were aware they could have done that, but still obviously actively chose to come to the cinema. And the rationale for that was, you know, that the cost benefit made sense. The experience of coming to the cinema at seven, eight, nine pounds made more sense than buying it at home for 20 pounds. And also the, the experience of sharing it with others and also wanting the films to feel like a film rather than watching it at home where it can just become like another TV show, particularly for the Marvel film where they're now launching into those TV shows. They want to elevate that experience because it was designed to be a film. And so they want to experience it in the best format possible. So I think there's definitely when you're have fans of those franchises where you're passionate about those films that draws people to want to see that in the way it's intended to be seen as well so that's key to I think educating and, and drawing people into wanting to see those films in the best form possible as well. Yeah what we've definitely seen one of the takeouts we would have at, at base is that an outcome from the experience we've all had over the last 18 months is that the industry is far more fluid and where we previously had more rigid structures about who was this audience and who was that audience and when titles were released, that is now very fluid. It causes a degree of con- confusion for consumers because they don't now know what the, the what the release order is, whether something's definitely going to go into cinema or whether it's going to pop up on a platform. And so there is a vast amount we need to do to just help consumers. One of the key things that we're working on going into the balance of the year right through into January is more concerted communications and actually working across broadcast to remind consumers what is actually out there, what is what is hot that's going to be released in the coming couple of weeks, but what's currently trending and to take some of that energy and just be able to then put a spotlight on transactional because consumers are a little bit lost in the mix. They are navigating things and they they need a little bit of, uh, of support, I think, in trying to find those those titles. I think it comes back, yeah, clar- I guess the cinema's always had that clarity if it's always been a particular flow and schedule 
schedule. And I think the flip of that is with streaming services, the amount of content and the sort of the lack of decent curation on those platforms means it's quite overwhelming to figure out what to watch, when to watch, what's coming and when. So yeah, I think for clarity and the, the work that the exhibitors have been doing and also the work through the research that Metrics Lab have been conducting with the FDA and the Cinema First Insight Group over the last year, wanting to ensure from a distributors and exhibitor point of view that we understand you know awareness of the slate the desire to return and clarity of message and things to ensure that you know, every party in the industry is doing its bit to ensure we're educating and making people aware to make the return to cinema and then the rest of the ecosystem as fluid and as successful as possible coming out of the pandemic yeah we um from 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 our perspective in home entertainment everything relates to cinema so it is paramount to us that there is a vibrant, successful cinema, a great audience. And we would hope that the fact that things are more condensed in terms of the life of a title in cinema and then going into other formats, we think that there is great scope for additional partnerships. There's a role that we can play, the role that a title, a drafting example, if you've got a new uh, title coming into cinema, there is often a slew of drafting that can come with that to kind of support it. You see that now because you've got titles, obviously Skyfall, Spectre, they are high in the chart at the moment because of all that noise around Bond. You always have that with Fast and Furious. You have that consistently going forward. You have that with Venom. Venom kind of, the first Venom is high in the chart again this week because of the energy around the second one but being able to find ways where you can partner we think that there's a great amount of work that we can do to actually be encouraging cinema and we think it is great you know to be able to explore things about how cinema can also encourage engagement in home entertainment and I think that hopefully is something that comes out of the pandemic that none of us would choose to be here but you can kind of only play the team in front of you and what we choose to do now and how we choose to shape our future is really exciting because we've got the opportunity to do that. Through the pandemic, people were able to test and trial things that they hadn't been able to before. And so how do you build on your legacy but not be bound by it? And how do we create new ways to engage audiences? The passion is there. Consumers love film more so than they ever have from our data at any point. So how do we just make sure that they're in that cycle where they've always got a couple of films that are coming to cinema that are on their list and they've also got the follow-ups of what they want to then do when they get into home entertainment? Yeah, I think just the point that the condensed window as well doesn't affect from our perspective in terms of talking to brands and advertisers, actually a condensed window from where it was before doesn't actually impact in massively in terms of the audience. We know that if people want to see films at the cinema, they get out and go early and the success of things like Shang-Chi and Free Guy that have had condensed windows compared to what they may have had pre-pandemic has still been hugely successful and, and, and over our expectations as well. So it just proves with great content, people will still want to get out to the cinema to experience that and will go in that window if they want to see it at the cinema before then experiencing at, at home as well. Liz, this research hasn't been published yet. When is it published and when can we read the full findings? We are doing the research in two phases. So we have done the, the quant research is done and they're the kind of the top line stats that we've been able to share. We're now in the exciting qual phase. So we're really noodling those consumers to find out, did they really mean this or did they really mean that? Um, we will have that back, we are hoping, this side of Christmas. So we would be delighted to share that with you and share it with the, the cinema audiences as well and our communities across the FDA and the UKCA. That'd be exciting. And when you said the qual is the exciting bit, Michael actually did lift as well. Then, it's always the exciting bit. <laughs> As much as I love numbers, it's just the understanding the kind of explanation behind it is always fascinating to see what people actually say when you give them free reign. And when it's on a topic like film that people are passionate about, people will talk for days about it. So it's always interesting to see what exactly they say. Yeah. 
and it is really nuanced. I think the key bit for us that we get really excited about is one consumer. You know, the cinema audience, the home end audience, they're the same people. And just knowing what buttons really excite them, what will kind of get them, what motivates them to do certain things. And so, you know, you can't get enough of that insight. And I think that again came out of the UKCA that there is this real appetite for shared insight, for shared data, understanding what the consumer journey is, understanding what different audiences do you know again going back to piracy we've seen piracy really speak spike sorry in older audiences and we're not quite sure whether that is just about the confusion they're hoodwinked online or you've got a group of 55 plus who are avidly trying to explore piracy that's quite frightening for us and so we need to get ahead and get some messaging out to them to to explain that what they're doing is actually illegal it's not the smartest thing for them to do it's got personal consequences and and risks in terms of their their personal data but Equally, getting them back into the cinema. I had a great story. My my mum actually was part of that audience we were talking about. She's 83. She booked a ticket online for Bond for Monday lunchtime. She then rocked up at the wrong cinema circuit because she was a little bit confused and <laughs> bought another ticket. But that she was there on her own, 83, in an auditorium, you know, watching Bond. That, to me, is... And, you know, and the technology. She's clearly got a little bit more learning about how the technology works. But she was embracing that new future of how do we make it really easy for consumers to get there. And she enjoyed it? She loved it. <laughs> Good. You're seeing Dune this afternoon? We are. We are. After that, what's your next cinema trip? I'm under pressure for Venom from the family. I think it's probably going to be House of Gucci. Oh, can't wait for that one. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Uh, yeah, I'm also seeing June tonight. Uh, and then after that, the next one will probably be Eternals, I think, for me. Okay. Well, thanks for joining me, Liz. Thanks for joining me, Mike. I'll be back next month where we'll talk about June and more films. And uh, I'll have another great guest. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.